Good singing. You may be seated. Amen. Good singing indeed. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. wanted to say it is good to see Brother Jim Jeffords with us, both this morning and this evening. We've been praying for you. I know that uh, the doctors are trying to find the bacteria, and uh, pray that they find it, pray that they get it, and pray that you get back to full, full strength, but it is nice to see you in church today. Well, we come in our study of who are we to not being a body and not being a building but we are those two things. Tonight, we are going to look at the fact that we are a bride. A bride. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly. Now, this is Paul speaking to a corrupt, carnal group of believers who are trying to mend themselves according to the Word of God based upon the first letter that was written to them in the writing of this second letter to them. And then he says, And indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him, or you might just do it, he says. Let's tonight open in prayer and then talk about what it means for us as a church to be the local bride of Christ, part of a larger bride that will be caught up together someday. Father, help us, I pray, to know and understand that we are a bride. Just like we're a body, just like we're a building, we are betrothed to you at this point and will be married to you at a future point. There's a lot of truth in that, in the Jewish wedding and the order and structure of it. And Father, tonight as we come to these thoughts and we talk them through, I pray that we would have clarity of understanding. Not just in who we are, but what is expected of us, what we ought to do. I pray that you'll help us to be the kind of bride in the engaged betrothed period as we ought to be. Give us your grace and understanding this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. So far in our series, we have been answering over the last two weeks, who are we? We said the first week, we're a body. And in that, we looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 and noted that as a body, we are a body in our formation. And that formation has a mind and many members. In our fit, we have purpose and placement, and in our, fu our function, we are to commune with one another in the spirit of true care for one another. Last week, we studied that we are a building. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we studied from verses 9 through 17 
that as a building, there is a stability to us. In fact, we're a building that is stable because of our foundation and because of our framing. God has fitly framed us together. That building in its stability also has a standing. In other words, when someone looks at that building, they notice something about it. They see the grandeur of it. They see the uh, nature of its construction. They see the durability of it. And so we noted in that that there was both a design and a durability to the standing of our church. But then we finally noted that a building has to be used. What good is it if we don't use a building? And the building of the church, or the church as a building, has a serviceability to God, and it's serviceable in that it worships corporately, and it works together or collaboratively together in that sense. So both of these, the fact that we are a body and a building, really just focus on the fact that we are light bearers. In other words, as the body, the body goes out in her several members, either ministering and edifying within each other, but going out into the community as the body of Christ and doing the work of preaching, teaching, and healing that Jesus himself did. But in that sense, we bear the light out. As a building, we really are just those who are shining the light from a location. The building holds the light forth. And we noted last week from Timothy's writing that we are the pillar and ground of truth. We've talked about that for weeks or for months in the Bluegrass 101 with different classes and different individuals. So this evening we look at or consider this thought that Paul has written to us here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Verses 2 and 3 are very particular and very pointed. It seems to me that as we read verses 2 and 3, Paul the Apostle, the wise master builder from last week that we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is earnestly concerned that the Corinthian church herself was going out and breaking the betrothal process. That while the marriage has not consummated yet, it hasn't been completed yet, we aren't there in glory with Him, and this age is not over. While that marriage has not consummated, in the Jewish tradition, if you were betrothed to someone, it was equal to departing or being an adulterer or adulteress in leaving your spouse if you did so during the betrothal period. And so he's worried. And he uses the imagery particularly of a bride. He says, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I, Paul, I, your pastor, I have espoused you to one husband. I presented Christ to you and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have espoused you to one husband. And you Corinthians are going out and trying to play the harlot or the whore with a bunch of husbands. That's not good. In fact, he says, I want to present you as a chaste, pure virgin to Christ. In other words, I want you to come before him without spot or wrinkle. That's what he would say to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter number 5. And so while the church is a light bearer as a body in a building, we find that as a bride, we are love bringers. I know that sounds weird, but that's what we are in the comparison to those that bear light, and that's what we do. We also are the ones that bring the love of Christ into the world. We are the ones that show and demonstrate the love of Christ to others. We might say it this way, we know his love, thus we show his love as a bride to the world. When Jessica and I go shopping, and that's rare, very rare, the older I get, the rarer it gets. I like click 
put in virtual basket, put in virtual truck, and bring to my real house. I like that. But in that, Jessica doesn't get to hold my hand walking around out in public. But you know, when we go shopping, she likes to hold my hand. I do not have the love language of physical touch. But I know that she does, and so when she reaches down, actually for her it's reaching up, but anyway, when she reaches up to hold my hand, and we go across or out in the shopping center or in the mall or somewhere to eat, I am demonstrating to her, and she is demonstrating to me that there is a loving bond between us. Paul's message is clear to Corinth. Stop sinning. You're married to Jesus. That's what he says in these verses. He uses the example of the first marriage in verse number three, speaking of Eve, and we'll look at that this evening because it's important. I wanted to lay out, pardon me, this evening for you just an understanding of the Jewish marriage process. If you read the Gospel of John in John chapter 2, you find the marriage supper at Cana. Uh, there is a marriage going on. The feast and festivities have taken place. They get down to one of the last days, and they've run out of the reveling drink. And in the process of that, Mary, Jesus' mother, says, Hey, son, would you mind taking care of this? And it seems a little harsh on the outset what Jesus says, but it was actually truly loving if you study the word of God because she's asking him to do a personal favor for her, but he had intentions or plans to begin his ministry elsewhere. But he acquiesces to her request. Oh, the power of prayer, by the way. He acquiesces to her request because he says to her, Woman, it's not my time. But he says, but because you asked, I will begin my ministry here and in this miracle as John records it. But it's in that setting of the marriage. In that process, in that picture, in that marriage, there would be a betrothal period. It is a legally binding commitment for an upcoming marriage. The giving of a bride price or a dowry was required by the man to the woman's father in the Jewish process of marriage. Later, there would be a wedding, and we could get into deep details of the whole process. In fact, Jesus, in giving the parables of the ten virgins, tells us of what that is. They would come and take the bride, and as they would take the bride, the other virgins would need to be ready with their lamps trimmed, and they would have to be prepared because they wouldn't know exactly at what moment on what day that process would begin for the marriage supper to begin. But that's the process, and in the wedding itself, when the wedding took place, There was a consummation of the the, the marriage, the actual union of the husband and wife. What Paul is trying to tell us here is as Christ's bride, we are already betrothed to Jesus, but we still have to wait out our future wedding to him as his bride. Well, how does that play out for the local church and the local assembly? And I would say very well, because right now we are the bride local, and someday there will be the bride global or universal The thought could be encapsulated this way in the union. We are already married, but not yet. That's one way to think of this process that we're discussing tonight. Because when we think of a husband and a wife in a modern context in America, if you love her, you get engaged and you get married. And it's done, and you're a husband and wife at that point. But in the Jewish culture, that's not what they're talking about. In fact, we now belong to Christ and are united to Him by His Spirit, the dowry or the down payment, the earnest, Paul would say, writing in the book of Ephesians. 
Yet we know there's more to come. If this is all there is, it's great to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. But the wonderful part of the Christian is the payoff at the end. The union of that marriage. The looking forward to and longing for that wedding day. Some of you can think back on it just years ago. And some of you can look back on it just decades ago. And a few of you may be able to look at it back as... No, I won't say that. It's not centuries ago. The consummation of our union with Christ, where we will have perfect and unhindered fellowship with Him, is yet in our future. Uh, You could study that, and we won't for this evening's purposes, but in the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19 and verse 7, and see the fullness of the culmination of what we as a bride will be like adorned in our glory in Revelation 21 and verse 2. It is a glorious bride that we will be a part of someday. The almost but not yet is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. The church on this earth will still have spots, it will still have wrinkles, there still will be sin within the church and her members, there will be heresies that might crop up from within or might creep in from without, there are adversities, persecutions, and crises that we must sustain, so there will be blemishes, but the process now is the removal of those so that we are ready as a bride for our bridegroom. That glorious bride of Revelation 21 and verse 2 is the finality. The removal and recognition of our spots and wrinkles is the work of the bride today. We will never find a perfect and secured local church today. But we should find local brides readying themselves or herself for that universal meeting or that final meeting with our bridegroom. As we understand that then this evening, or as we look on these things, this is the Jewish marriage within the context that we're discussing tonight. For our church, then there's the role and the responsibility this evening that we have as part of the bride of Christ. First, let's talk about our role as a bride. I want you to take your Bibles, and if you want to put a bookmark here, you can come back to this later if you'd like. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. It's the first meeting or the first mention of the concept of wedded bliss. Marriage, I always make that joke when I do a wedding, it's what brings us together today. If you know that movie, shame on you, but uh, it is a funny line. The guy has that little statement in it. I always do it at weddings. Here it is, the first marriage, the first wedding. And we find in this first wedding, this first union, our role as a bride. In fact, we're also going to find our responsibility in it, but we'll start in verses 21 through 23. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. I want you to understand this evening, our role as a bride is no different than what Eve's original created role was to Adam. That is, our role or the position that we've been placed into, just as Eve was given to Adam, we are given to Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, in the same way. Just as Eve was taken out of Adam's side, the bride of Jesus Christ, his church, is taken out of his riven side. The nails, the spear, and the cross are all seen in Adam when Adam was put to sleep by God and then a rib was taken from him, costing him a part of himself to make Eve. The type of the church can be found as a bride in the very first marriage that is there. In fact, Paul, as he ties together the concept of the bride, is always going to be linking back to the first one. He did it in our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. When Adam said that his wife was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, we understand that in the church, that in the church, when we take the Lord's Supper, we are taking of his blood and taking of his body. We are taking of his bone and of his flesh. The elements remind us that we too are bone of Christ's bone and flesh of Christ's flesh. If you don't believe me, Paul says this in Ephesians 5 and verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. It's no different than what Adam just said here. You and I, as the bride of Christ, literally are one with Christ. A bride, first, is a completion of her husband from its type. In chapter 2 and verse 18 of Genesis, if you look back just a few verses, the Bible says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for her. Understand that within the context of us being the bride of Jesus Christ, that statement for Jesus Christ is equally true. It is not good that the bridegroom be alone. He needs to be wedded to us, for it is his plan. It is his purpose for us. But in that type, just as Adam was not complete in himself, there needed to be another. God said, I must make a help meet for him. God's design is that you and I as the bride, the local church, are the ones that help meet the needs of what Christ in heaven today is not able to do on this earth. He works through us. We are his bride. The church completes the work of Christ, and that is our purpose. We are a bride, and we are to complete him, and we are to do the works of him that sent us, just as Jesus did the works of him that, that sent him. In fact, the church completing the work of Christ can be seen immediately after his ascension in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible opens with them preaching, In Acts chapter 2, it closes with them being around each other in fellowship over the apostles' doctrine, that is, teaching. And in Acts chapter 3, it opens up with them healing. What was Jesus' threefold ministry on this earth? Preaching, teaching, and healing. We are his bride. We do exactly as he did, for we are completing his work. We work while it is day, Jesus said, for the night cometh when no man can work. point is, what Jesus did, the church early in Acts did, they 
were the completer and complement to their bridegroom. What Jesus did, we do as a church. We are his completion and complement in this present age. If you look at it that way, you will understand that both as a body and a building, we have a function to serve, but you do as a bride as well. You are going out into the world and showing them who you love. Or you, you could say this way very strongly, your lover spiritually. That's who Jesus is. We complete his work on this earth. But the second thing I would say, a bride is consecrated to her husband. If we were to continue reading in chapter 2 of Genesis and verse 24, we would read this, Adam speaking at this point. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Consecration is a spiritual term. It is used in that context. It means to be reserved for a sacred service. And by the way, that's how I mean it tonight. I mean it in that way for both the institution of your marriage. If you're married tonight, you are in a sacred bond with your beloved. I also mean it in the church's union with Christ. By the way... When we talk about this idea of being consecrated one to another, we used to in our um, couples retreats that we had years ago, we haven't had one in many a year, and many have asked or requested that we start them back up, and maybe we should and maybe we will, but the point is, I used to or I did teach through Song of Solomon. If you've ever read Song of Solomon, you understand the intimate consecration that a husband and wife have to each other. Recently, Jessica and I made a couple of folks in the church aware of it, and some have come back and said, Man, I didn't know that was in the Bible! Well, it speaks to the intimacy of marriage. It speaks to the consecration in the physical realm, in the physical sense. But may I say to you, as a church, as the bride of Christ, there are principles that should and can be drawn from even the intimacy of Song of Solomon of how we consecrate ourselves to our beloved and our beloved alone. That's that great verse is in Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Do you say that about Jesus? Well, I mean, no. Why not? That's <laughs> It seems kind of silly and intimate, and there's usually, actually in here tonight, because all the ladies are teaching, it's more men in here, and we men, we don't want to say stuff like that. You ought to. It's right. It's biblical. We are exclusively Christ's bride, and he should be the exclusive bridegroom for us. We are consecrated to him because he consecrated himself for us. This, by the way, is the emphasis of the Spirit's teaching through Paul back in our original text in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, look, I don't want you to be be beguiled. I don't want you to be tricked. All of this consecration, all of this completion, all of this compliment that Eve was to Adam, she also ultimately became his downfall and corruption. We cannot be Christ's downfall, but boy, we can sure do damage to his name on this earth. What he says there in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11, I, I don't want you to be beguiled as Eve was. I don't want you to be tricked like she was. I don't want you to fall away. I want you to be consecrated to my lovely Savior, Jesus Christ. 
I put in my notes here, we must never marry ourselves to any idea or mission other than the work of Jesus Christ, the gospel work. The growing of Christians from believer to follower to a disciple of Jesus Christ. As a body, we have a role, but we also must understand this evening our responsibility as a bride. What's our responsibility? There are things that a bride does, and again, if for whatever reason, I'm glad the kids aren't in here tonight. This would be a really tough message for me to preach if the kids were in here, but the role of a bride and the role of a bridegroom is a very personal thing, we might say. You might even say it this way, there are some things that only a bride can do for her bridegroom. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, go ahead and read Song of Solomon tonight. It'll be a lively evening for you at your home. The Bible's good. It's rich. It's wonderful. You shouldn't be ashamed of it or afraid of it. The union of a bride and a bridegroom first is designed to be fruitful. When the concept of the bride or the church being a bride, there's a reason he uses it. Is it, it isn't just in the sense of a tawdry sexual way. It's in the sense that, all right, what comes from the union? What is the product of that union? What is it that God wants in that union? And the answer is to be fruitful. Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and then continuing all the way to Genesis chapter 6, and then beginning again in Genesis chapter 10 when you see the table of nations. Here's what you would read over and over and over and over again. You would read this. Adam knew his wife. Cain knew his wife. Seth knew his wife. And on it goes with them knowing their wife. Can I tell you, if you don't know what no means there, you should get to know what no means there. See, you come to church on a Sunday night, you never know what you're going to get. You thought you were here about the church. The concept to Israel, the concept to the patriarchs was what? Be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, and then again in verse 7, Noah comes off the ark. There's eight people left on planet Earth. The Bible says this, and there's a reason God says it, because he's got a big earth and a little population at this point. And God blessed Noah, it says in verse 1, and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Later on in verse 7, he goes on and says this, And you, be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Here's the point. From that marriage union, God wants there to be bounty. He wants there to be fruitfulness. That is the point of the union. That's the reason for the marriage and the matrimony. The union of a man with a woman typically produces offspring. Biblically, it ought to be the hope, even if God doesn't bring that truth to reality. A home, I often say this in marriage counseling and pre-marriage counseling, a home is a husband and wife happily living together. But the fruit of that home, one of the heritages of that home, is if God sees fit to give a child. It's not that the home that doesn't have a child is less of a child. It's equal to every other home. Those two have become one flesh, and it's a home in the eyes of God. But the goal, the purpose, is to be fruitful and multiply. The church, Christ's bride, has the same responsibility. 
Do you know we're supposed to be multiplying? We're supposed to be, literally here, reproducing ourselves. That's why we are typified or we are used in type as a bride to Christ because we are his bride. And as married to him, as wed to him, the product of that union should be that we go out and produce fruit for him. And the fruit is bringing more people to Jesus Christ, to faith in him. By the way, the early church understood this. They were concerned with reaching others with the gospel message. Are we? Edward just held up the um, welcome wagon. We did redesign the card. It looks fantastic now. It even has a QR code with the plan of salvation they can scan on their own little smart devices. You can grab them. They're out there. Here's what Jessica and I actually did yesterday. When I say we, I mean she. And when I say did, I mean she did. But I was certainly there going, that's a great idea. You guys know how that works. She took them and she put them in our church envelopes. In fact, I think after church, you should grab a bunch of our church envelopes and put out there. You know what they do? They fit perfectly in a church envelope. You say, I may not be able to go there. I have heard this over and over and again, especially from some of our senior saints, and I fully understand that. I can't get out there and soul win. Can I ask you a question? Would it be too much to ask you to take 50-cent stamp and put it on an envelope and mail it, write a personal note? Jessica wrote a personal note that said, we're so glad you moved to our area. Here's a gift and information about our church. God bless. Bloop, put it in there, and she's mailing it. I thought, that's a genius idea. And I said, why did you do that, honey? She said, it's cold outside. Nobody's going to open the door for me. And she's probably not wrong. But they'll open their mailbox. That's a simple way to do it. There's all kinds of simple ways to figure it out. And I thought, man, that's genius. And you all thought I was the brains of the outfit. I'm not even close to the brains of the outfit. There's all kinds of ways for us to go and be fruitful and multiply as the bride of Christ. The early church certainly did that. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, the Bible says this, The Lord added to their numbers day by day, or daily, as, such as should be saved. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 14, the people magnified them, and the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, you get the word here. <clears throat> it's the same word of be fruitful and multiply. Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and were multiplied. Acts chapter 11 and verse 24, Barnabas comes to the church, and in the process of coming to Antioch, the Bible says this about a good man coming there. It says, For he, Barnabas, was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much People was added unto the Lord. Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. And so were the churches established in faith and increased in number daily. The product of a union in marriage is fruitfulness. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that come in our church, Pastor. Right. I wonder how many lost people come into our church. I wonder how many lost people we go out and find with the gospel message because we are wed to the bridegroom, because we are betrothed to him, because that day of our final wedding and consummation is coming. Are we concerned about being fruitful at all? The church was fruitful. The church through history has been fruitful. Our church must be fruitful as the bride of Christ. It is our responsibility. The second 
responsibility is that marriage and the church being wed to Christ is designed to be faithful. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I've alluded to it a couple times. It's the clearest passage in the New Testament, other than the 2 Corinthians 11, of the church being the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter number 5. The passage I use often with, in premarriage counseling, beginning in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Notice that. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, his bride, and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse his bride with the washing of water by the word, that he might present his bride to himself a glorious church, a glorious bride, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it, the bride, should be holy and without blemish. This is faithfulness. When it talks about being sanctified and cleansed, when it talks about the washing of the water of the word, when it talks about the fact that Christ wants to present us to himself, that day is still in the future for us. In that day, he does not want us to have spot or wrinkle. He doesn't want us to have any blemish in us. He wants us to be holy, and that is going to require us as a bride being faithful to him going to take us walking with him as we talked about this morning. So as we close our thoughts then this evening, they're going to be upset with me in the back, but in my defense, we started this evening at 510, so I have gone as long as Edward usually does. As a bride, we must not just receive the love of Christ, but we must give and show the love of Christ with everyone we meet. Again, in our passage in 2 Corinthians, look there with me one last time. Paul is begging the church at Corinth, the bride of Christ, if you will, at Corinth. We are the bride of Christ at Bluegrass. And you say, you keep saying this idea of being local. Yes, there's going to be a day where the church universally is called out in an assembly together with the Lord. And when that day comes, we will then engage in the reward seat. We will then partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we universally of this age, the bride of Christ, will be presented to Him and present ourselves spotless and glorious in perfection. But until that day, this passage here in 2 Corinthians 11 really gives us the warning of what we should be in this engagement betrothal period. In verse 3, he says, and I close with, But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted 
from the simplicity. That's a wonderful word. If it's not underlined in your Bible, it should be. It is pretty simple being married to Jesus. The complications are when we start setting our eyes and our affections on the things of this earth, things that aren't Jesus Christ, things that aren't eternal, things that aren't divine, things that aren't of Him. He says that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I always enjoy those in our church that have been married for great lengths of time, all kidding aside from earlier. This week I went over to Brother George and Miss Janet's house, uh, the Longs, and they asked, Brother Long and I were talking about the church app. Oh, the church app. But he was asking questions on how to get that hooked up. And while I was there, I said, now you all have been married about six decades, and without hesitation, 64 years. And I I know there's others in our church that have been married more than 60 years as well. Praise God for that. But if you talk to somebody that's been married for a really long time, they'll tell you things like this. It really isn't that hard to be married if you love your spouse the way you should. That's exactly what Paul is saying. He said, listen, it's the simplicity that is in Christ. He said, I'm jealous for you. I don't want you to fall away because I, as your pastor, my job is to espouse you. It's not that he was their spiritual father, but as their pastor, their under shepherd, he says, listen, I've taught you. I've taught you what is true. Don't mess it up. You know, the funny part is, even in reading this, the great apostle Paul could not keep them from falling. The Bible says the only one that could keep them from falling is God and their choices. Oh, that we would always walk in that simplicity as his local bride here gathered. Father, help us, I pray, as we close our thoughts this evening. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that we know who we are. Tonight, we are the ones that have had love brought to us, and we are the ones that take the love of Christ to the world. We bring it to the world. We are a bride. And in a very real sense, there are responsibilities that we have. I pray that we would be fruitful. I pray that we would be faithful. I pray that as a part of this church, we would always be willing to go out and to see, to find those who are lost. The darker the days get, the more we are prone to just stick with us four and no more. But there really is a world that's lost and dying today, going to hell, even as we pray. May we understand that and may we understand the fruitfulness that you desire is more souls to be saved. May we seek them this week. As we seek them, you in your divine power will help us to see them and provide the opportunities to interact. Bless us, O Lord, I pray, in this your endeavor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.